Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Michael Reed on LMFM. Peter Daszak is a disease ecologist and the president of Eco Health Alliance in New York. He was writing in the New York Times this week about the coronavirus and how in early 2018, a meeting at the World Health Organization of a group of experts called the R&D Blueprint coined the term disease X. He says they were referring to the next pandemic, which would be caused by an unknown novel pathogen that hadn't yet entered the human population. Disease X, they said back then, two years ago, would likely result from a virus originating in animals and would emerge somewhere on the planet where economic development drives people and wildlife together. Disease X would probably be confused with other diseases early in the outbreak and would spread quickly and silently. Exploiting networks of human travel and trade, it would reach multiple countries and thwart containment. Disease X would have a mortality rate higher than a seasonal flu, but would spread as easily as the flu, it would shake financial markets even before it achieved pandemic status. In a nutshell, he said COVID-19 is disease X and COVID-19 is certainly causing a lot of those problems. Maybe it's a a case of, I hate to say I told you so, but uh, they did tell us so, it would seem, two years ago. And uh, the number of people now who have been infected with uh, the coronavirus has passed 90,000. 3,000 people have died and uh, there's cases of of COVID-19 in over 60 countries. The World Health Organization has raised the global alert for COVID-19 to the highest possible level, short of calling it a pandemic. We're joined by Dr. Jack Lambert, infectious diseases specialist at the Matter Hospital. Good morning to you, Dr. Lambert, and thanks for joining us here on the programme this morning. I suppose as everybody is acutely aware at this stage, there's just one confirmed case of COVID-19 in the Republic of Ireland. But if we're talking about a global pandemic, Pandemic. Is it inevitable to say that there will be many more cases here and that multiple deaths are unavoidable? Well, first off, yes, I think it's going to spread in some countries and it's not going to spread in some countries, depending upon the preparedness of the country. So it's spread in China because they weren't prepared. It's, it's spread in South Korea. It's spread in northern Italy. Um there's been cases for weeks and weeks and weeks now in the UK, and it seemed to be fairly well contained because they have a very good plan for containment. So I think, yes, it's going to continue to spread, but the degree of where it's, how much it spreads is going to depend on the infrastructure of the country. Right. And what does that mean in terms of Ireland's preparedness and what we should be doing to be better prepared? Well, the... the let, let me use the UK as an example. They, they, they've, in preparation for this new infection coming along, they have a national isolation unit in London. They have a full-time person working on it. They have staff that's been preparing for the next pandemic, you know, coming along. So, th- so 
and they have a whole document on from A to Z and a roadmap of what to do in terms of current plans, what happens next, what happens next, what happens next. Now, if we get to Ireland, we have a national isolation unit. I was in charge of the national isolation unit of Ireland during the Ebola epidemic. So we had lots of plans between, and, and I was in charge of that between 2010 and 2017. And we had lots of plans, but following the Ebola epidemic, I think we dropped the ball because of lack of resources, moving on to another crisis. And I think the government did as well. And I think we're less prepared for, for the next you know, epidemic, and we're less prepared for coronavirus than the UK is because they've kept they've kept working on the next epidemic. Uh, we've kind of dropped the ball, in, in, in my opinion. Um, however, now that Corona's on 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 the radar screen, the government has started having you know special task forces, special meetings, and this and that, and it's start starting to put together a blueprint and a roadmap for what to do today, what to do tomorrow, what if there's it goes from one case to 500 cases, what if it starts spreading in the community, what are the plans for community testing? Uh, the government's starting to address these issues, but UK had these issues addressed the middle of January. We're, all, we're in March now. So I think we're a little bit behind the eight ball, and if there is an outbreak, time will tell whether we manage it or not. I think it's, it's a bit scary. Um, that you know that we have the potential of this this spreading um, like it has in Italy, um, but if if work if we work very hard on this and put together the resources and put together a very good plan and communicate that plan to all of the caretakers in Ireland, I think we do have an opportunity to follow the UK model, not the Italian model, not the South Korea model, where it kind of got out of control. Mm. Uh, we have experience uh, and much experience uh, of uh, these uh, type of uh, diseases over a very long period of time. Uh, Ebola, as you're saying, being one of them, SARS, MERS, and now COVID-19. And uh, I think a lot of uh, these uh, diseases are linked to wildlife, aren't they? Absolutely. They're called zoonosis, spreading from animals to humans. That's how they orig- That's their origin. And a lot of that has to do with how we're living in the world today and uh, because of how we live and uh, uh, treat the planet, uh, we're more uh, open to these type of diseases because we're in greater contact with animals. Sure, global warming, uh, you know, humans encroaching and animal habitats, all those things increase the likelihood of it, it created the the COVID-19 crisis, and and there'll be another one down the way. You can anticipate that in a few years. And is that part of the problem, that instead of anticipating or just anticipating uh, and not uh, trying uh, to act uh, to prevent rather than to treat, uh, we are taking this fire brigade uh, approach uh, and looking for a vaccine after something like this uh, develops? Yeah, when we're talking about vaccines, uh, you know, we need a proactive pro- approach out of the crisis. We, di- we didn't have a proactive pro- approach a year ago, um, you know, dis- despite many people calling for this proactive approach. Now we're in a reactive approach. So I think next time around, we need to actually make, we need to deal with this crisis. Um, and I think efforts have been done by the Department of Health and the HSE to do that. Um, I would say a bit late in the game, but but I think a good effort is ongoing now. But I think to prevent this again, we need to do what the UK did. We need to 
have people resourced. We are the National Isolation Unit at the Mater Hospital. We, we need to continue to train, prepare, be resourced, have staffing, have facilities, have educational programs ongoing, not just for the matter, but also for the community, so that when the next crisis comes, we're prepared and not behind the eight ball. Uh, there's uh, an awful uh, amount of panic. Some of it uh, is warranted uh, concern, uh, and uh, I'm sure uh, that uh, there's always a risk with something like this uh, of uh, people becoming hysterical. But uh, does a disease like this have uh, the potential uh, to result in uh, the exin- extinction of humanity? Absolutely not. I mean, this is the common cold virus. So if you or I get it, or these kids in the school system that have it in in Ireland, they'll get over it just like the common cold. The risk is it's very contagious. So they can spread it to somebody in a nursing home, somebody in the hospital, their grandmother, somebody in the family with chronic lung disease. And 4% of those will die. If you or I get it, if we have normal health, if children get it, if they have normal health, they get sick with a cold. But they do go over it. But so the risk is is, I, so I think there is huge panic. You know, there is huge panic right now, mm. worrying about uh, healthy individuals getting it and then dying from it. That's not what's happening. They are spreading on to other sick people, and we say that's only four percent mortality or three percent mortality from China. But you see, three percent of um, of a hundred thousand people or a million people is a lot of people dead. Um, so, so I think the statistics don't really mean anything, but it is a self-limiting infection in most cases. It's highly contagious, and um, I think the panic is, 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 is a bit overdone in terms of, you know, to the general population in Ireland. Mm-hmm. Hugely contagious, we have to contain it, um, but if you do get it, uh, you're, you're going to get over it. If your grandma gets it, she may die from it. Mm, uh, hugely contagious, but nowhere near as contagious as uh, some diseases like measles, as we heard from the HSE the other day. If somebody gets measles, it's likely that they'll pass it on to 14 to 18 other people, whereas if you develop COVID-19, uh, you may pass it on to two or three people. Well, that's the theory. That's what they say. But, but then, then again, that's the minimal risk. If you look at the, the... We don't know. This is a new virus. This is the hypothesis. We don't know if that's the situation. We'll know, that, we'll know how contagious it is at the end of the epidemic once it's over with, once we do a post-mortem on, on, on the epidemiology and the transmissibility. There was a UK individual that came from Singapore who was perfectly healthy. They said he was a high transmitter. He infected over 10 other people. So you could actually say that this is, you know, he went from Singapore to, to, to France, France to, to the UK, and he infected about 10 different people along the way. So it may be more transmissible than we're aware of. So mm-hmm. I'm not downplaying the transmissibility yep. mm-hmm. of it. I'm just to reassure people, though, the pathogenicity, 97% of people will just get common cold-like symptoms and get over it. Okay, so one child in a school in North Dublin has COVID-19, so there's obviously concern for the other 400 students and their teachers. But the likelihood is you would suggest that any of them who contract this disease will get over it quite quickly and without anything to worry about in the future, but they may pass pass it on to their granny. What if their granny is in a nursing home? How concerned would you be for all of uh, the residents in a nursing home if it got into I'd, one? I'd be absolutely concerned. And that's what's happened. That's happened with mm. flu. There's been outbreaks of flu in nursing homes. And, you know, the, the flu death rate is one in or two in a thousand. It's 10 times less than this, this virus. But, um, but if it gets into a nursing home, 
it kills a, a higher percentage because these are elderly people, some of them with lung disease, some of them with diabetes, this and that. So if that child went to a nursing home and was coronavirus positive, then yeah, many people in that nursing home could be debilitated. This is the importance of isolation and, and prevention of spread. It's a critically important concept. The government's doing a great job of that at the present time in terms of tracking down those kids in the, in the school. Um, I'm, but, but to reassure the parents, those kids are fine. It's the, it's the collateral uh, damage that could occur if, the, you know, if, if it spreads beyond those kids. Uh, and you'd fully support the idea of closing down the school? I think it was a great idea. Mm. Uh, and don't close down all the schools. Uh, and closing down a, a nursing home to all intents and purposes, uh, that it would be contained uh, and uh, people would be isolated within that nursing home. Uh, what about if uh, it develops uh, within uh, somebody who's uh, living in a hotel? Should the hotel be closed down? Tough, tough decisions, tough decisions. Mm. I, you know, it's, it's very hard to say. You know, you'd, ha- you'd have to, mm. you know, like I said, the... Uh, I think that's a decision for public health. In some situations, that's a bad decision. If you look at what happened on the in Yokohama, the princess, the the, the, the one case turned into six hundred cases, and I'm not sure all some of them might have been infected just from being quarantined on the boat and spread mm. after that initial event. So, so you have you have to kind of look at the situation. Um, the, mm. the, the hotel might not be the best situation based on the circulation, based on the you know the, the flow of oxygen, the flow of air conditioning, the flow of the, the, the heating supply and this and that. So you'd have to kind of do an assessment uh, case by case. Okay, and what about the case of uh, the Belfast Enterprise uh, train? We know uh, that a passenger uh, travelled on the Enterprise uh, to Belfast uh, and was confirmed to, to have COVID-19. Inroad Aaron said they deep cleaned the train. Is that sufficient? Absolutely, that's sufficient because it's like I said, it's not just it's, it's spread not just by respiratory spread, but if you're coughing and you take your hanky and you put it down on a table and then your hand is touching the table, somebody can go along, touch the table, touch their face and spread it. But if you disinfect all those surfaces, you're fine. Mm. And what about the staff working on the trains? Uh, would they be fine or would they uh, have uh, the possibility of bringing that virus back onto a train that has been deep cleaned? Well, once it's, well, the thing is, is that those, those individuals then should be should be tracked down. So, so all individuals who were in close proximity to the index case that went to Belfast, mm. public health has 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 contacted them and given them advice. If you do that, then you can contain it. If you miss one of those and they get sick and they get symptomatic and they come back to work, there's all these theoretical possibilities. The critical part is once you identify an individual as positive. Mm. Uh, public health has to kind of uh, track all, all those with significant contact and quarantine them or give them advice or, or test them. That's a decision that has to be made by public health. I, I think, Dr. Lambert, uh, people are, are very anxious uh, and uh, to a point where people are almost fretting uh, about this uh, and worrying themselves uh, to no end. Uh, what, what advice have you got? I mean, we've been hearing a lot of uh, the general advice uh, about washing our hands uh, and uh, making sure that we get rid of handkerchiefs uh, uh, and that sort of practical advice. But what would you say to people uh, in, in terms of any sense of anxiety that they're feeling? Well, I, I think it's hugely overplayed, you know, like common sense. I wouldn't travel to northern Italy. Um, you know, I wouldn't travel to China, you know. Um, but there's one case who's quarantined in Ireland in a population of 5 million. I mean, I mean, you have to be 
you have to be practical here. Now, if it, if it if two weeks from now, if it outbreaks to thousands of cases in Dublin, we'll have to have another plan. But right now, I, I would I would go ahead as as as, as normal. I'm tra- I travelled last week to Frankfurt. No issues to me. I'm travelling to the UK for a meeting on Thursday. No issues to me. I wouldn't travel to Northern Italy by plane. You know, I, I think you just have to use common sense here. So I think, yeah, we are we are in a hysteria mode. But I've told you, it's a, it's, a, it's, a, it's not Ebola. It's a virus that that normal people will 100% go over, just like the common cold. But the high risk is is individuals who are immunocompromised, elderly people, um, and we we shouldn't be overreacting, which we are at the present time, unfortunately. Okay. All right. Well, I think people will appreciate hearing your expert opinion. Thank you very much indeed for joining us this morning. Okay. Thank you. Dr. Jack Lambert, infectious disease specialist at the Matter Hospital. Michael, Michael Reed on, on LMFM. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.